My name is Sudhanshu and welcome to the Swadeshi Videshi podcast where we try to find out more about India and explore more about Indians through an insider and outsider's perspective. As we celebrated Thanksgiving here in the United States, we first began to hear about how quick the new Omicron variant was spreading. Then, December hit. Things started to close all around the world, countries in lockdown, business shuttering, and the healthcare sector was preparing for what will be another wave around the world. Within the United States, as we record this podcast today, we heard that we just hit a record daily number of COVID cases that crossed 500,000. It's quite clear that the brunt of the pandemic has been faced by the healthcare sector and workers alike. In India, though, as people got through their own holiday season, things seem to be heading towards normal. Wedding events, festivals, political rallies, movie theaters were back to as if it weren't happening in midst of a pandemic. Around Christmas, however, as the world was in the midst of the new Omicron wave, we saw photos of healthcare workers specifically resident doctors, protesting. Now, protesting isn't new. Around the world and within India, we've seen frontline healthcare workers protest for better wages, fair practices, better working environments, and everything else. But we did see something far more intense, specifically student doctors that were protesting in Delhi, being charged by the Delhi police, being arrested, and in many cases, even being beaten by the Delhi police. Now, those photos became viral, and now you see a solidarity movement spanning all across India and India's hospitals. To explain why these resident doctors in India are protesting and why the crackdown by the government has been so brutal, I'm joined by Richa Rai. She's a doctor based in India who runs her own hospital, but also has studied here in the United States at Columbia School of Public Health. Richa, thanks for joining us in this episode of Swadeshi Videshi. Thank you for having me, Sanchu. So, you know, before we get into so, it, um... Deb, so before we get into it, I, I want to specifically yeah, ask why, and I want to kind of set the context. Um, explain to our audience, you know, how do you become a doctor in India? What's the process and how long does it usually take? Okay, so essentially in India, um, a, a student decides to become a doctor basically in like, you know, the 10th, 11th, 12th during the high school years. Because what happens is right after school, there is an exam, which is the NEET exam, which is a national eligibility come entrance examination for undergraduate that happens right after school, which is which generally takes place around in, in May. And those, and just to give you context of the, you know, the volumes of the students that appear for, for this exam is about 1.5 to, you know, 1.1 to 1.5 million students sit for this exam. Each and year. the seats are, say, around 80,000 each year, each year. That's a and lot of people. And there's 80,000 seats for these undergraduate students. That's a lot of people. And, but like, can you see the disparity between the number of people that take the exam and the, you know, the, the seats that are there? So anyway, so you take this exam, if you make it through, you, you know, get, um, there's a counseling process that happens, which is now all, you know, now they've shifted it online for the, for the past three, four years. 
you get selected according to your scores into one of the colleges and you start your five year journey of, of a medical student. Now this um, is it entails all of like, you know, your basic your classes, your anatomy, physio, bio, all of these things, which is a structured five year program. At the end of the four years, you have a one year compulsory internship, which you're supposed to go through before you actually get your degree of becoming a MBBS doctor. So now after this five years, you actually, you can essentially, you become a general practitioner. You become a doctor, you're allowed to practice. You are registered with the Medical Council of India. And uh, you're not, you know, there's, there's certain things like you can't form a surgery obviously because that comes under the uh, a specialized doctor's purview and not yours. Um, after this, the normal course of action for, you know, every student is to become, to specialize in one of the other fields. So now there's again another exam, which is the NEET PG exam, which is NEET post-graduation exam, which you're supposed to take, which generally happens in Feb, Jan Feb. After you, again, once you clear that, you're again going through, you have this process of two months of counseling, you're, you know, you're, you input your marks, you're um, selected into one of these colleges by the government, private, whichever one. And uh, then you start your um, journey of, of post-graduation, which is essentially what residents are which is the equivalent to a resident in the United States. So that's again, a three year um, journey then. So you start off as a junior resident and then you become, you know, you have two more years of being senior resident. In the third year of your, of your residency is when you have to take the exam again to qualify your, um, you know, your post-graduation. And uh, after which, you know, you can go on to do super specialization or whatever. So essentially the whole process Minimum, if you don't, if you're able to clear every exam in time would be eight years. And if not, which is what generally happens, people are, you know, people, they prefer to take a gap year, study, you know, or for whatever reason, uh, it can go up to like, so eight to 10 years is basically how you become a specialized doctor in India. That's how much time it takes, whether yeah, it's so your, you know, general surgery, medicine, etc. So that's a specialized yeah. doctor, but after, you know, 12th grade, you mm -hmm. can, you know, you will have 1.5 to 2 million people take a test out of mm -hmm. 80,000 people will be accepted by an MBBS program. That is then out of those 80,000, how many will actually go on or try to take on the NEETPG test that you said? So just so we have kind of the numbers clear is it all 80,000 that will move on or will some people after the four years of MBBS just be fine with what degrees they have and then move on or is it a lot of them because you said most of them are certified no actually there's more than 80,000 people that are taking the test for the post-graduation because it, there's always you know a, a large section of people that haven't been able to clear it in the last um, round of examination so there's always more than, you know, the, the first batch of students, that is the 80,000 students. So there's about like, I would even say that, again, don't quote me, I may be like a little fuzzy on the numbers here, but I would say there's around 4 lakh, which is what, 0.4 million people that would want to take that, you know, appear for the NEET PG examination. And the seats are say around uh, 40,000. Okay. Every year. So but they'll have about 40,000. Roughly the ratio of, yeah, every year. Every year, basically. That's that's the roughly the ratio. And usually there's a lot more, like, I wouldn't even be surprised if there were, like, five, five lakh people that would have registered for the PG examination. Just because, you know, people weren't very happy with the last cause. Again, like this, I don't want to get into the details too much. But, you know, there's a cutoff 
mark that people generally get and based on that they either get a private medical college or a government medical college right so a lot of people will decide you know that they don't want to if they don't want if they don't get admissions into their preferred colleges they will drop yours so yeah. there's generally a very large number of people that are waiting to take the exam even for the post graduation you know okay but so so um to kind of contextualize this here in the united states you know someone after 12th grade or plus 2 um goes to a college is on a pre-med track, then has to take the MCAT, which is, I'm assuming, the equivalent of the NEET, is then accepted for another four years after undergraduate studies of actual medical professional school, and then they take the equivalent of what I'm assuming is the NEETPG, um, step one, step two, step three, etc. Then they're accepted into their residencies, which are, you know, depending on the specialty, from two to five years, including a fellowship, et cetera. So it is technically, and you said you are certified after the mm -hmm. four years out of high school to practice medicine mm -hmm. at the most basic level, correct? Yeah, that's correct. It, it certainly takes a longer time in the States to, um, to reach that, you know, place where you're able to actually see patients, I feel, as opposed to India. Okay. So now explain to us, you know, what's the difference between someone studying and practicing medicine in the United States and someone that's practicing and studying in India? Um, you know, I, I can certainly talk about like the, the journey that, you know, is in India, which is that it's a very, very, um, you know, because the time is shorter, because you have to do all of, you know, stuff study all of those subjects in like say a four four and a half period of time so I feel like it's quite intense like I haven't gone through like med school my own I remember there, there's just a lot of like um, you know the curriculum is very vast as we know in medicine just anywhere but because the time being so short and because you know we're just fresh out of high school I think it's quite an intensive five-year program that the students go through and um, the one thing that's kind of been you know a little um, I guess, you know, since the need PG exam was started, it's it's both been sort of a, a boon because, you know, it's a very standardized process of selecting students and everything. But there's also kind of been like this bad side to it, which is when students come to the, you know, to their final year of medical college, nobody is really essentially worried about how they're studying for their medical exams in their colleges. You know, everyone's just preparing for the need exam. So in turn, the internship year, which is supposed to be your year of really observing, really, you know, absorbing all these little techniques of, say, you know, if you have to put a central line and all these things. Like I remember because my father's when they talk like, you know, my father, when he talks about how he had his internship, it was a lot different because they used to really work. Today, because of the NEET exam, everyone's like, you know, nobody wants to work. Everyone just kind of wants to cram and be able to clear the MCQ. So that's kind of been like a bad side of the standardized exam also. Um, after that, I think, I mean, India, yeah, I would say that it's, it's, it's very rigorous. It's the, you know, they, where there is a clear, um, you know, the, the ratio between the patient to doctor ratio as it should be is very skewed in India. I think, you know, that's just a general, like we know that there should be one doctor per thousand, but there's some, you know, there's some figure and it's, it's just, it's quite skewed in India. So there's anyway, the, the resident, the, the doctors and all are overworked and there's always um you know 
the volume of the patient is massive massive in india when i was interning i had gone to banaras hindu university and i remember just being overwhelmed by you know looking at the number of patients it felt like this absolutely jam packed metro station situation in india if you've ever you know witnessed that so it's just um, the journey is quite i would say it's a, it's a hard path it's but then again like uh, that's the same thing in the states like i i you know not because i haven't done my undergrad in medicine from there so i couldn't say that it's not the other thing that i do feel some uh, is that india i think it's a little bit more um, particular about you know the uh about um the theoretical this thing whereas in the states you get a little bit more i think um i wouldn't even say hands on experience but it's just i i personally and this is again i could be wrong that i haven't studied in the states but i think it's because you get a little bit more time so um so you're you know it it you don't have to cram as much whereas indian students are really like i remember before my exams there was just pages after pages in books you know that i had to memorize so that way that's quite a journey but then on the positive side because of the large volumes of patients we really get to see a lot of different types of cases i think that's something that indian doctors really get a good this thing on because you know there's almost every kind of case if you're at a good college if you're at a good you know this thing there's 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 no dearth of patients so you really get that hands on uh, experience also i have a friend now that's actually doing residency in the states and i want to talk to her more about how you know her this thing has been so far yeah so you know we'll, yeah. we'll get into the other kind of standard of of practicing medicine within india because i think that's uh, infatuating and interesting but let's get to the issue why are these resident doctors out on the streets you know why are we seeing these visuals of protest of uh people out there while at the same time we see you know this onset of a third wave uh cases rising and the epicenter of these protests delhi which happens to also have one of the highest numbers of uh new covid and covid variant cases um still have these resident doctors out on the streets and protesting what's up So basically, what has happened this year is that, like I said, the NEET PG exam that that usually takes place in Jan, right? So about March, April, we have a new workforce of every every hospital gets the new under you know the junior residents as workforce. Now, one thing that needs to be completely clear is that in any medical college in the country, or you know, in, in any of these government setups, the resident doctors are the backbones. so all of the work majority of you know the work is done by the resident doctors so the should the consultants are there but they will come and see the patients and then all of the taking care of the patients everything is done by the resident doctor so what happened this year was that because india was in the uh, right in the midst of you know covid when um, the exams were supposed to take place so it got postponed so i think it initially i remember it was postponed to um, april and then it got pushed to september uh their results have come out but what has happened is that the government the central government now there's a i i don't want to get into the very technicalities of the reservation system and the of the medical council and the medical seats in india but there's an all india quota right which uh gives which reserves certain number of certain percentages of seats for the um sc which is the scheduled castes and you know obcs sts etc so this time um the central government um sort of uh, i wouldn't say like stipulated that there should be a reservation for 10% um of the of of the 50% of the all medical all india quota so basically 
let's say there are hundred seats, fifty percent of those have to be reserved, right? From that fifty percent, now they want to give additional like twenty-seven percent to the other backward classes, and ten percent to the EWS, which is economically weaker section of people. So who is who is EWS? So now there has been some. So EWS is your um, class. So it's the general class of people. They don't fall under the category of you know the caste system, ST, OBC, etc. But these are people whose family incomes is below eight lakh. So that is below eight hundred thousand annually, right? Um, so the government kind of you know in order to um, support these um, uh, the kids from such backgrounds, they wanted to um, reserve the seats. now there's been there's been um, obviously disagreements in this regard because so there's two reasons for that one is the supreme court has sort of questioned the um, government as to how they came up with this cap of 800000 figure right and the court has the government has not been able to give a clear justifiable of logic of how the cap was put for the for for the 8 lakh 800000 figure secondly the um, obc uh, representatives have also come out in petition because um, so what they have to say is that there's a reservation for the other backward classes right if we put so now the government because it's the government said that the obcs and the ews will both come under the cap of 8 lakh rupees or 800000 rupees um the obc representatives are saying that there are many people that fall under the obc category but their family income may be above that um, the said cap which will then exclude them from this reservation so there's there's two there's two this thing so there's the students again and the third thing is that the students are petitioning because this the um, the supreme court and the government have not come to a consensus so far and it's you know it's delaying the process which i'll get so there's this whole um, disagreement between the obc representatives that doesn't agree with this whole 8 lakh cap right on one hand the supreme court is still not um, sure of how the government has formulated this or has come up with this number and they've asked the you know the government to sort of give the logic behind it but that has not happened so far so and let's break this down this, Because there's just so yeah. much that's happening. Sorry, uh, no, of course, of course. No, no. I'm sorry. I should have. <laughs> so, it's not anything that exists in medical school professions. Uh, sorry, medical schools admissions um, in the United States, right? So you don't have a set mm-hmm. reservation and of people that belong from either certain identities, etc. That you know. are reserved in that manner and say okay 10% of the seats will go here now there's obviously a push for more diversity whether you have people from different right. backgrounds racial identities etc um to make a more diverse class but there is no legally mandated uh requirement to have mm-hmm. something like that what's interesting though is this kind of economically weaker uh reservation or quota that people are pushing in india and how that relates to here in the united states because from what i understand is that whether it's college admissions or whether it's med school professions um now there are different programs 
like if you want to practice in rural America, you might be able to get into a different medical school that, you know, has a kind of tendency to accept students or a program that, you know, focuses on rural America, etc. But when it comes to just larger admissions, they're not accepting students or have a set place of seats available for students that come from financially disadvantaged backgrounds. That being said, from what I understand, there is uh, need blind admissions. So when I, if I were to, you know, um, kind of apply to medical school or apply to college or whatever, um, schools have a, you know, a policy that they will admit you and not look at your financial aid uh, or where you come from. And that kind of is an attempt to make admissions more equitable, more accessible. And then the kind of need blind admissions is that, you know, they will try to give you as much as possible and it has no part to play in, in the admissions process, right? So that's something that people say is what we should be striving for. So a Harvard Medical School or undergraduate shouldn't be looking at how much money you're making um, as or your family and will accept you on the basis of your merit. And then the next step after your app, application is submitted, they've accepted you, is to actually see if Harvard Medical School or Harvard undergraduate or anything of that nature, any other in institution, is financially viable for you and potentially will work for you. And there are a lot of issues with that as well, but that is kind of the generic structure that's in place. Here, what you're saying, Rija, is that there is a specific outreach for people who are quote unquote economically backwards, right? That the government is trying to mm -hmm. get to and has put specific seats and reservations for that number that, mm -hmm. and if I'm understanding this correctly, is taking or part of the 50% overarching that's already reserved for cast, mm -hmm. right? Um, seats. And out of those, 10% will be reserved for that. And what do you think of that? If, if, if I don't, you know, if you don't mind sharing the fact, the sheer fact that, you know, this disparity of where in the United States, people are not there, you know, there's a push to not look at financial need and keep admissions and your financial viability separate, right, of, of actually undertaking that admission process. Whereas mm -hmm. here, in India, and obviously I say this knowing that, you know, there are upwards of 200 to 300 million people that live below the poverty line in India and, and the demographics um, are different, that there is a specific objective that the government is trying to do is find these people that are quote unquote economically backwards and make sure that they have a viability in that mm -hmm. case. So where, where do you... Um, so I want to ask you first, in the States, how do they, so you know, the they have the scholarship and like the financial support process. Most of these colleges do, right? So how does that, like, do they, in, do they have that in med school? Is that something that, you know, students, because our students that are not very financially, because I know the student loan system is also much better in the States than it is here in India. So I feel like that may be one thing that is probably, you know, plays a big part in. Um... Yeah, so most, okay, so from what I know, um, a majority of uh, students undertake loans from the government, right? I do think that there are special graduate loans for medicine, which might or might not have lower interest rate, better terms, 
Um, but from what I know from my own brother is um, in medicine, um, his friends, et cetera, they all undertake loans to you know, provide that education. There might be some schools who potentially will um, cover you know, their students' loans. So for example, uh, New York University, uh, they basically, <laughs> I think three years ago or two years ago, uh, said that you wouldn't have to pay tuition, uh, that anyone who was accepted to New York University's med school uh, would basically graduate debt-free, uh, loan-free. Um, and so there, I think there are some schools that will work with you in terms of providing some aid, um, but I don't think it's as frequent as scholarship aid is. Yeah, so, um, you know, the whole reservation system has actually been around in India for a very long time. And this is not just something that's in medical colleges. It's it's in your government, you know, seats. It's, in, it's, it's everywhere. And I think some part of that, you know, I don't think that that's completely wrong in some ways because I do understand that, you know, these communities that are living with this whole, you know, scheduled tribes or the scheduled caste or whatever, they, there is a lot of... Um, you know, social um, obstructions and um, economical backwardness that they do face. And so it's, you know, I don't think that there is anything wrong with, you know, sometimes you need to give a little push and that's okay. But it should, it should definitely not, you know, hinder the progress of, of students that are getting into like, you know, colleges and stuff on their merit, because that is just not fair. So and is think, this, are these reservations in government schools or also in private schools or residencies, et cetera? So they're not all over India, but in most states, and again, the states kind of decide the percentage and the number of seats and stuff. But in most states, it's there in both government and private. So like, for example, Uttar Pradesh right now doesn't have those reservations, but Maharashtra, Tamil Nadu, and you know, all these clusters of places that have most of the medical colleges do have these kind of reservations. Yeah. But I think jumping like to the major issue of why the resident doctors are on the streets now is because this whole process that was supposed to happen in Jan got delayed until September. And now because of these little like, you know, uh, disagreements between the Supreme Court and the center, the new batch of residents or the new students that had given the NEET PG exam this September have not been able to go through the process of counseling. And so they are still sitting idle at home. They don't have, you know, they, they aren't able to, they have basically lost this whole year, which is, you know, the whole time where they're supposed to be learning and absorbing, they've essentially lost one whole year. Secondly, the resident doctors, now that whole burden of, you know, because all of the hospitals and the colleges are now functioning at a 66% capacity because they don't have, they haven't got the new incoming students. So now the resident doctors are basically facing the brunt of um, being overworked, you know, being um, taking care of, like I was talking to a friend and he's working at one of the private colleges in uh, Bangalore. And he's alone, you know, taking care of like 25 to 30 patients, which is a lot of patients to take care of just on your own, you know, all through the night for 36 hours. And this number is easily going to be like 70 to 80 patients in a government college, which is where most of the protesters, you know, you see from, from these uh, government colleges in Delhi, because the residents are now having to take care of 60 patients on their own. Okay, so the test has been taken after being delayed from January to September. People have sat through the test, and now, like you said, they're waiting on the results. 
why why and and, and the results aren't being given as you alluded to before because of the supreme court cases and they're not allowed to give results so um is there any way that they can actually advance with the results or will the results only wait until the supreme court has had, heard the decision and because this is you know in midst of a pandemic it's a health emergency have has there been any kind of you know in reflection on you know the supreme court hearing this before or expediting this to get this resolved and you know make sure that this process continues well absolutely i think that's kind of the major stance of the you know the federation of the resident doctors in the country is that they um, um so the supreme court has said that you know it will take four weeks and earlier the i think the hearing was sometime in october but now that's happening in jan and so um the resident doctors are basically you know asking them to expedite this process and the, it's it's not even the results the results their scorecards they've got the people that have qualified the exam know that they have qualified it but the counseling process has not started and the counseling process is an online process and it's government online so that can only happen you know once these uh, i don't know according to the court now once these issues are resolved so the students are now after having you know spent all that time studied and everything they're now just sitting with their scores waiting for the counseling to start so they can join work and on the other hand the residents are now just completely you know the second year residents and the third year residents so uh, are now completely you know without this whole section of um, workforce that they they would have normally gotten by now also another thing is that you know like i said in the third year of their pg there's the exam that they have to appear for again which is again quite a you know it's a difficult exam so usually the third year residents are quite involved with their thesis work and their exams and their study so a bulk of the work in all of the hospitals is always done by the first year and the second year residents so you know now it's come to the point where the second year residents are really overworked the third year residents aren't able to you know give time to their thesis to their studies because they're constantly in the wards and now with covid cases rising again it's just it's going to be a disaster because you know you can't expect somebody to be working for 120 plus hours a week right so i'm curious these images that we're seeing of students and resident doctors etc out on the um, on the streets and outside the hospitals who is it that's actually protesting is it the second and third year resident doctors who are overworked is it the first year i'm sorry the ones that would be first year resident doctors who have not gotten the counseling process so who is it that's out on the streets no it's the second and the third year doctors that are overworked now and they're and the ones so that are protesting they are the ones that are protesting and so what are their demands So they are basically just demanding the Supreme Court to expedite the process. They're saying, you know, that this is an this is important and this is, but it's about a small section of people. You know, the small section in India's population is not so small, but you know, that's it's still about reservation and it's about one part of you know, it's about a part of citizens. But the bulk of the students, like you know, the people that have qualified on their merit and stuff, the whole process should not be delayed because of one sort of disagreement or you know, unclarity between how. the the figure of 8 lakhs came out because every day they they you know there's already a lot of burnout in doctors which is i feel like that's a common situation both in the states and india because you know they're all overworked the volumes of the patient in india especially in you know indian medical government medical colleges is massive so um there's all these things and plus um, 
uh, with you know with covid uh, and everything now we're starting to see in delhi again like i think there's some 600 or something like you know there's the the cases are rising so uh, yeah so it's basically the second and third years that are now completely overworked com- mental health completely in shambles that are sort of you know asking the supreme court to expedite this process so they're they're protesting and asking the supreme court or putting or trying to put pressure to the supreme court to expedite this process right and how is the delay and you've kind of gotten into this but how is the delay slash the protest impacting hospital kind of services within let's say delhi but around india well uh, absolutely so i'm working at a hospital now and you know i can also see that there's a certain you know there's almost when you enter your postgraduate course the first year you're supposed to do a certain things you know you're supposed to learn how to put a either a line or you know and and obviously that varies from different programs different in different parts of the country but like i said earlier because of bulk of the work of you know is 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 done generally by the first year residents and the second year residents because of the you know shortage of the first year residents now everything is now under um, the second years and the third years and there are some you know this is this it's a learning process right it's the residency program is not that you sit and learn from a book it's it's you are in the hospital you are part of the workforce you're working every day and that's how you're learning so because now that section is completely like vacant so all these other doctors have now to you know take care of the basic demands of um, you know the huge volumes of patients that they have so it's also like hindering their own education their own learning process apart from just having more work to do for the hospital and also it's a problem yeah because management side like you know there's a reason why um you require one person or one doctor on five patients it's 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 humanly not possible for one you know uh, one doctor or one resident to take care of 25 patients and give those 25 patients equal care and the kind of care that they deserve and they require so definitely that has been a problem for the hospitals as well you know the um, their their workforce is short the 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 quality then you know ultimately the quality of the patient care gets compromised which is everyone's loss right mm-hmm. so um that's kind of where we're at, where we're at with this whole um thing have you i mean have you heard of stories um and look i, I have no sides and i understand why these students um resident doctors are protesting but have you heard stories of patient care actually being affected by these protests at all you know i wouldn't say stories but sure i mean i have a lot of my friends that are now residents and they're either second year or final year residents at this point so just you know a while back i was talking to a friend and he's just like it's exhausting because i have no free time and you know you need like some mental break so he's like i had some thirty patients and i went and saw and checked in whatever and then i come home but there's inevitably going to be some patient that will require you to come back right again and he's like if i had my juniors there's a lot of work that i could have delegated and there's a lot of work you know that i like you know would have given me just that little bit of a breather but i don't have that so immediately i'm running back of course you know the kind of care that i would have or the kind of attention that i would want to give to one patient it's 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 not as much just because i am exhausted i have i'm i've been running around all night i have no time to you know this this my friend is a third year resident he's like i have no time for my thesis i have no time to study for my exam so it's just you know it is i i wouldn't be able to give you one particular story but i'm sure there's a bunch of like there's so many out there like 
if we get into you know asking the residents yeah i mean um the only equivalence that i can think of here that anyone here in the united states could kind of understand is just pure labor shortage here right because yeah. of supply chain issues people just aren't out there businesses are struggling but in hospitals you know they have to continue on i i feel and right. and that's in a country that already has such a big shortage of mm-hmm. people of doctors you add this on and and the the issue is exponential and then exponentially so when you're in the midst of a pandemic so how has the government reacted to the protest what's happening you know and it was very uh, unfortunate to see actually and um, just on tuesday the resident doctors were out on the streets and they were peacefully protesting and then we saw you know i think that's a, it's 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 been viral the images and everything everywhere that the delhi gov the delhi police actually um was very um, harsh on them in this in the in the you know they were also like they were taken and they were put in the like they were taken away the the peaceful protest was disrupted they were even hit some of the doctors which is just very disheartening to see you know for a country that was applauding doctors just two months back for taking care of all the covid patients now this is how you know you're being treated and their demands in a way are not you know i was reading this somewhere and it's just interesting how you know you wouldn't trust a driver that hasn't slept in 3 days to drive your uber for you so it's just this is a high risk job this these these doctors are taking care of you know they're dealing with life and death every every day so it's not something that we can expect them to be in half their mental capacity which is what is happening so i the government just really needs to realize that this is not it it's i mean i'm sure they you know i wouldn't say that they haven't realized but like this whole process just needs to sort of move ahead because ultimately the population the public of india the doctors the students that have given exam everyone's just losing in this you so, know there is no winner absolutely but i mean like other than and just to add some context for viewers the delhi police which is uh right now i think uh primarily the one responsible for these very you know brutal crackdowns um on these peaceful protests putting them in jail taking them away forcefully um using you know um in some cases uh water pressure etc to kind of break these protests um they are under the governance or rule of the central government and as richa said uh a few months before and throughout the pandemic uh the central government has been promoting kind of like the healthcare workers as warriors and their efforts in kind of combating the covid pandemic and now you have these visuals of the same healthcare warriors being beaten by um presumably uh you know directions from a central figure authority etc and that puts you at odds in what you're trying to project when it comes with pandemic and how you're treating and i think that adds to the frustration but I mean has there been that you know of Richa any move from the central government to kind of you know figure out what's possible and kind of you know work with the student uh, resident doctors uh to make sure these protests aren't there or has it just been a we're going to resolve these protests by force and get the Delhi police to you know to kind of do what they've been doing So you know I think cuz these events are just very recent So I think the the this this body of uh, residents that was traveling that was going or protesting and you know they they I think approached the Union Ministry of Health. 
so we should we're hoping you know that there should be something from from that end now and it may be underway as we speak i don't know but so far we haven't heard of anything but also that's because you know it's it's what it's today's third wednesday and the protests just happened like day yesterday and day before so we are you know um it it was it was very uh, sad to see the way it was treat it was handled but we're hopeful to see something from the you know government uh, the unit the ministry of health now to um, sort of um, whichever direction this is taken in but yeah i think it's just a, it's kind of like ongoing so um, we'll have to wait and see i guess for another day or two okay but hopefully there there are hopes that they might actually resolve I mean, the issue <laughs> there is because you know what's interesting i was just thinking about it and what's interesting is because this year there's been no intake of undergraduate students right mm-hmm. and so far there's been no intake of postgraduate students so 2026 there will be no mbbs graduates and 2024 there will be no postgraduate postgraduates that will be you know in the workforce mm-hmm. so this is going to be a major problem mm-hmm. you know imagine because these undergraduates even the mbbs students that graduate you know they end up taking housemanship and stuff so that they, you so that they're working hands Mm-hmm. so essentially because of this one year gap there will be no workforce in the in, in that in that year right and, and with the pandemic looming it's just a very very scary situation to be in so now this just doesn't affect the resident doctors right you're saying this will have you know echoes of impact across different kind of uh, the healthcare field but the different sectors private and government when it comes to these protests how how i mean have you heard from you know established doctors people that are practicing for a long time are they in support of these resident doctors are they kind of against these protests like how do the others that are not directly impacted but still part of you know the healthcare workforce how, what are they saying um so far you know any and everyone that i've spoken to whether it's at the hospital that i'm working or whether it's to my friends the older doctors i think everyone sort of supporting because everyone's understanding the the struggle that it is to take care of so many patients and to be constantly on call and to be constantly working like everyone's been through that so you know this whole um uh, mismanagement i would say you know a part of it was because of covid and I, you know i guess that's you know pandemic is out of everyone's control but now this this whole thing it should have been expedited it should have been taken as a priority issue um for the for the betterment of everybody like i don't think there's anyone um that sort of not in support of this because uh, even the patients like they will understand how if eventually this will start you know bringing in you will hear stories about negligence and not negligence because it was intentional you know just because there was it was under uh, under capacity or just exhaustion no yeah so here here's something that you know i kind of want to end on and and clarify while these students resident doctors are protesting uh in front of these primarily you know main government hospitals in this case delhi are you know these hospitals still open for people to go to um you know with covid cases on the rise but also in general issues that uh you know take place are are they open for for these people to to actually be admitted and and what's that kind of workflow like 
so you know because the protests haven't been happening all over the country they've kind of been in the medical so they've mostly been restricted to delhi and that too like you know for example aims which is the biggest government medical college they is that on purpose sort of by the way that they didn't take the part no that well the fact that they've concentrated in in aims rather than all across you know, delhi or I, all across india i don't i don't think i think it's mostly because again yeah like um, the resident doctors of molana azad the you know uh, these um, big government colleges they just their workload is only so much mm-hmm. like their workload is definitely more than you know government uh, private colleges and so i feel like and also i think it's just a way of representation or some like you know that they're out there the doctors of aims actually had not um, participated but after the the brutality yesterday i think you know that's just that just made it all worse like had this been like a peaceful thing probably like people were people are willing to work doctors are willing to work and put long hours but this was just kind of unacceptable so the, the to answer your question yes hospitals are open the doctors kind of um the resident doctors had initially decided on just closing the opd services which is the outpatient department so you know the elective things or whatever the people uh, that people came for the emergency was the department was still open but i am hearing that in some colleges in delhi now the emergency department will be shut so it's just it's just a sad scenario because you know it's just people are going to suffer like so in terms direct... of covid yeah there's a lot of yeah it's it's directly going to impact the patients and you know the public and you know again to clarify the emergency services have only recently started closing in some hospitals and some yeah. colleges only because of the brutal crackdown by the government right okay well Thank you so much Richa for joining us um and trying to help break this down for an an audience here uh, outside of India to understand what's really happening and why doctors who are you know at the front line of of this pandemic as the pandemic crosses its third wave in the United, in India are out there protesting and for rightful causes and resident doctors are out there um and trying to see what kind of response the government the supreme court and others will have um to this uh crackdown but thank you so much for joining us richa no thank you for having me i hope i was able to clarify and not you know make it more confusing but and let's see hopefully we should be hearing things you know as to what the government has to what stand the government takes in a few days so yeah let's hope for the for for, for the best <laughs>